Yo, 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 welcome to another episode of the Overstated MBA Show. I promise you, promise, 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 I am not hammered today. I apologize for everybody, although I guess uh, it, it made for some solid entertainment, um, which is always a good thing. That's what we try to do here. It is 424 at about, I want to say, 830-ish Central Time. I don't even know what time it is in Hawaii for Brett, but Brett, dude, the NBA playoffs are in full swing, dude. Let's fucking go and let's talk about it. How are we doing today? Man, I'm doing good. Like like I was telling you before, I'm a little a little tired, uh, I would say, from yesterday. I had kind of a long day, but a lot of fun, too, just, just watching hoops. And um, yeah, man, like I guess the playoffs have really only been going on for a week, but it feels like so much has happened, and uh, it's been awesome and just jam-packed, you know, every day. The first round is so fun because you're getting like three, four games a day or whatever. So I really cherish uh, this time of the year, and, um, and yeah, it's no different this time around, but but uh, yeah, man, wherever you want to go with it, we can we can talk some playoffs because, yeah, the last podcast we did was the, the one where we where we were drunk. And uh, that was yeah. that was that was before the before the playoffs. Two, two Sundays ago because we took we took Easter off. That was two Sundays ago. Yeah, that was uh, that was yeah That was before the play in even. So. So, yeah, man, it's about, about time we talk a little a little playoffs here. So, yeah, man. It is. So I, I guess let, let's start with the elephant in the room. Um, I really don't want to spend too much time on this series because I feel like every single podcast and every single national television show is talking about it. But um, after today, there's only one team in the entire NBA playoffs that has not won a game, and that is your Brooklyn Nets. Um, it's pretty <laughs> astonishing. I mean, we can kind of get into the X's and O's. I, I, I think Boston is really, 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 really good. I don't know... They, they definitely deserve to win the series. I said it was going to be a sweep or in five. You know, I, I really pushed hard on a sweep. I wish I would have bet that. I, I just thought that Brooklyn, outside of KD and Kyrie, has no no depth on their team. Uh, if Ben Simmons was maybe healthy, although I think they maybe had a little bit of a shot, but I, Roe just reported that he's he's not going to play anyways. Um yeah, man. Where, where, where do you want to go with it? It's it's certainly been an impressive performance from Boston. I, I think game one was absolutely phenomenal. But again, game one, Kyrie had to shoot, had to play that good just for them to have a chance. And they just haven't been able to replicate that the rest of the series. So, Brett, I, I kind of set you I, – I did not set you up here pretty good. It's like, uh, you know, Steve Francis trying to throw a lob to Catino Mobley, not Houston Rocket, Catino Mobley and Steve – uh, or Steve Francis, maybe Orlando Magic. I take it wherever you want to go, man. I set you up horribly, but that series is obviously if you're a Boston fan, you're Jack. But that series, from an outsider's perspective, is just. Bleh, bleh. I mean, like just with all the kind of hype and excitement and talk about how scary Brooklyn is, oh. even though they're a seven seed, like it is pretty wild to think that they're they might end up being the only team that gets swept in this first round. I mean, they're the only team without a win. So if Boston wins, uh, you know, game four on Monday, obviously that'll be the only team that gets swept. And I, that's just kind of crazy to think that Kevin Durant uh, could be swept in the first round, you know, not to mention Kyrie Irving and, and just the high profile nature of that team. But yeah, I mean, the, I think the real story has been Boston's defense. And like, I would just describe it as a statement, like the ultimate statement, like being able to essentially shut down Kevin Durant, like, like this isn't like like a lot of the Durant uh, talk the discussion that's been going on, uh, especially since yesterday's game has been a little out of pocket with people saying like he's falling off or like he's playing like shit or like he's not who we thought he was or like all this stuff like that's that's insane. He's still Kevin Durant. If they were playing any other team, I think in this first round, he'd probably be lighting him up. 
but Boston just has a a fantastic game plan uh, to defend him. They're just they're playing him really physically, really aggressively. They're getting up in his face. They're just taking him out of his game. They're not allowing him to get into any kind of rhythm. And as a result, through three games, he's only averaging 22 points a game on 36 percent shooting. So, I mean, for playoff Kevin Durant, like to have three straight significantly subpar games, all credit due to Boston there. And they're doing a pretty good job on Irving, too. He's at, he's at about 21 points a game on 44% shooting. So, like, yeah, like you said, man, Brooklyn obviously doesn't have a ton of depth, and uh, and they certainly don't have a ton of firepower, especially with Seth Curry probably not being 100% right now, Dragic being a little on the older side. So it's like outside of those big two, like they don't really have another guy that can just get you buckets. So if you can somehow slow those two down, they're not going to beat you. And that's what we're seeing with Boston uh, against them. So, yeah, it's been really a, a dominant performance. And again, it, it starts with the defense, but Tatum has been doing his thing. He's been the best player in this series. Uh, I think Marcus Smart has done a lot to show why he was the defensive player of the year. Grant Williams has been fantastic. He was huge in game two. And, uh, and then to get Robert Williams back in game three, he only played, I think, about uh, maybe like 15, 18 minutes, somewhere along there. But he looked healthy. He looked springy. He looked good. He had an alley-oop dunk. He had a big block. And like they can just, they have the luxury to just be able to sort of ease him back into things. Uh, they don't need to play him 30 minutes right away. I always felt, well, after seeing the first couple of games, that they could win this series without him. So he'll probably just be in uh, on a minute's limit uh, and then maybe get back to uh, to the full workload in round two, assuming the Celtics don't blow a 3-0 lead, which I really don't think is going to happen. So everything's looking good. Uh, they look like a championship team. They have no weak links defensively. I've talked about this before, but other than, I guess, Peyton Pritchard, but he's shooting the lights out. So, But if you look at the rest of that playoff rotation, Tatum, Brown, Smart, Horford, Grant Williams, Derek White, Robert Williams, like those guys are all good to great defenders. And I don't know that there's another team in the NBA or even in recent memory that has that solid of a playoff rotation in terms of defense, you know, without a weak link. So, man, I, I couldn't be higher on this team right now. I think they came together at just the right time and the Nets ran into a buzzsaw. Well, I'm going to I'm going to take it from the Nets point of view. I think that. KD is obviously exhausted. Uh, you could kind of tell if you watched a little bit of the game last night. I believe he only took eleven shots or twelve shots. Like if I'm if I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan, I'm I'm tearing my hair out. If I'm going to lose, I want KD at least putting up 20, 25 shots, no matter what happens. I, I think that last year, you know, it was his first year back. He was injured a little bit, but he had to play. And then you fast, you saw it in the playoffs, right against Milwaukee. He had to play damn near every minute in that series, and he he just got tired. You saw it to and the season, this season, he had to play damn near every single minute just to go through it. You have Kyrie, who is fasting right now, who's not even eating. So, I mean, like, it is just it, it is just insane. But, man, I, I don't mind saying this. Like, Katie's obviously a baller. Kyrie's a baller. But, dude, the Nuts are – I said it before the series started. They are charm and soft, dude. I really wanted Milwaukee to play them because I, th I thought the exact same thing would have happened. We would have swept them. Like I, I just have not been impressed with anything that Brooklyn has done this year. They're they're the seventh seed for a reason. I know KD got hurt, but you go through all that turmoil with James Harden. And I posted it in the group. Is Steve Nash going to get fired by the end of the week? I mean, because I don't know. Yeah, he kind of got dealt a, a shitty hand. I don't know if there's been a first-time head coach that has dealt with 
more drama and off the court issues than Steve Nash has. I mean, James Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, I believe played like what, 11, 12 games. That's it. They, the only, they, they played four games together in the playoffs. And that was when they swept Boston. Unless you want to include game one against Milwaukee last year when Harden left 30 seconds into the game. But, and then you fast forward to this year with Kyrie, with the vaccination stuff of him not wanting to play, missing 75, 80% of the season. I'm, Somebody's going to have to take the fall for this. And, you know, Ben Simmons, It was he was supposed to play on Monday. It just got announced a couple hours ago that he's not going to play. I don't know, man. Things are looking really, really weird in Brooklyn right now. And not just with this playoffs. I'm wondering what the construction of this team is next season. Because some, you, you can't have Kevin Durant on your team and get swept. Like that, you just, you just can't have that. I don't care who they're playing. You can't have him and Kyrie on your team and get swept like that. And especially in the fashion that they're getting beat at. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, maybe, maybe Milwaukee would have swept them, but I don't know. I think this is a lot of this is Boston's dominance. And we saw it the whole second half of the season. Like Boston was, is like an historically great defense. So I, it's hard to, to know how much of this is Boston's defense and how much of it is just dysfunctionality on the part of the nets like but it's obviously some of both and like i mean i'll say this about the nets like an underrated thing uh was the joe harris injury like i think that really hurt them because obviously they need those knockdown shooters to function fully uh with all the attention that kd and kyrie draw like that's where you want to really capitalize and yeah seth curry patty mills can shoot the ball but those guys are tiny and boston has been has been kind of abusing them. Um, but if you had like a Joe Harris out there, who's probably the best shooter of the three of them, and he's like six, seven, six, eight, like not a great defender, but he's he's a big body. Um, I just think that injury really hurt them more than people really seem to recognize. Like he's almost kind of been forgotten. And he was supposed to be back, you know, months ago, and then he had a, a setback or a re-injury. So that that's a big part of it, I think. Uh, as far as Nash, like I, I don't think they're going to fire him. I think he'll get another shot uh, just because of the way everything went down. I think if there's a scapegoat here, it's probably Kyrie. But again, this is the NBA. Like our boy James Borrego getting fired was shocking. But this is Steve Nash. Like James Borrego may be more established as a coach than Steve Nash. But in, just in terms of general stature, I don't think you fire Steve Nash after a season like this. Because I, I just can't blame him for what went down. He certainly hasn't been perfect, but I also think he's shown us enough over the last two years when they are healthy, that he might be the right guy for this job. Um, but they just have been, they've just had no continuity whatsoever, especially this season. Um, I think it would be more likely that he quits than gets fired. Because if you remember before they hired him, he, he said he didn't want a coach that he was kind of like a reluctant hire. And I think they almost had to talk him into it. Like maybe KD, um, so I, I don't know that he wanted that job initially in the first place. So, you know, I would like to think that he's learned to love it and, uh, and he's glad to be there, but I, I would say him quitting would be more likely than him getting fired at this point. Cause he's got to be frustrated as hell. I can't even imagine just the, with the way this season has gone and the lack of communication that was reported between him and Kyrie at times. And it's just a very frustrating season. So but I don't know, man. I, I don't think they're as bad as Boston's making them look. I think I think they are. I, I think they're a pretty bad franchise. But I cannot talk or hear about this series anymore. I'm sure tomorrow is going to be the same thing. So 
Let's move on to another playoff series here. Hang on, I just had it up here. I wanted to talk about Dallas and Utah, kind of a little bit of an underrated series. Utah just came back and won. I mean, the the joke was that Donovan Mitchell finally passed the ball to Rudy Gobert. (laughs) You know, I think that if if Utah loses this series, let me ask you this. If Utah loses this series, is Utah going to blow it up? And what does a blow up look like? I think it's probably trading Mitchell. Now, I don't know that that's their best option, but I could see him forcing a trade. I know he's sort of... You know, he's kind of saying all the right things as far as I know, at least about like staying in Utah. Um, But I I wouldn't be surprised if they get bounced here, if he kind of demands a trade, because like I know a lot of people would say they should look to trade Gobert. And I'd probably agree with that. And I don't know, maybe there's a market for him, Uh, but he's he's got a huge, huge contract. And like if they lose in the first round, it's fair to question if you can win a title with him as your center. I mean, we're seeing him get exploited. Now, I thought he was pretty damn good overall in, in game four, but in game three, the talk was like, this guy might be unplayable against Dallas. Like, I think Shaq and Charles Barkley agreed on that. They were like, you, you just can't play him um, the way that Dallas spreads the floor. So it's weird because he's like this generational defensive player, multi-time defensive player of the year, but then you get like a, a five-out system and it's like, you can't play him against that. So if you're another team, do you do you really want Gobert? Like, you, yeah, you'd think like a team like uh, like Charlotte maybe, you know, because that's their biggest weakness. Like they need a rim protector. And you'd think like you put him in there protecting the rim, catching lobs from LaMelo. Like that that makes a lot of sense. But I think there's only so many situations that that would make sense for him. And I think whereas with Mitchell, they could get a lot more back in trade. Uh, but then you got to just commit to Gobert. And, um, and I don't know, man. We'll see what happens in this series, but if they lose in the first round, it's like there's some real questions about the viability of a of a Gobert team winning. I, it's, it's so weird to say that about a really good player, but it just comes down to matchups. You're just it's even, almost like with Jokic, like you, you great player, but you're going to run into a team that can exploit him, whether it's Phoenix or Golden State. Like these are the teams you have to get through, and it's kind of the same thing with Gobert. Like you know, we've seen how to beat him, and there's always going to be a team that can do it. So. Uh, yeah, a lot of questions there. I, I don't love where where they are. I, I, you know, man, I'll tell you this about Utah. Like, I was just looking at their roster the other day, and I'm like, maybe it's as simple as they don't have enough good players. Like, I don't know. They're they're, they're a weird team. Not my favorite team. Uh, definitely hope Dallas advances because I'd much rather watch more Luca than than those guys. I have I have the perfect Rigo Bear team for you. And this, okay, this, and I'm telling you, I'm just throwing it out there. My bold prediction for the Utah Jazz, Rudy Gobert is getting traded to Phoenix for DeAndre Ayton. Mm. Robert Sarver doesn't want to pay that. He, he, if they if they like DeAndre Ayton, the, he would have already signed that extension and he already he, he'd be locked up already. He's not locked up, locked up. He's not happy about it. To your point, Rudy Gobert in Phoenix would be awesome. Uh, just from a defensive standpoint, and he's playing with the point god and Chris Paul. And I even think Devin Booker is – I think Devin Booker has – even last year in the NBA Finals, I think he has passed Donovan Mitchell. He's more of a playmaker. I just think Rudy Gobert – my issue when I watch Utah play is you can't take Rudy Gobert off the court because their defense just collapses. But they also – I don't think they use him right offensively. And you're, you're absolutely right. In some matchups, sure, dude. Like he's he's – 
he's just not going to be able to play. That's it. But Utah has never used that dude offensively right. Like, never. I, I could just see him being a more useful offensive player with Phoenix. And I'm only saying this because I don't think DeAndre Aiden is going to be with Phoenix next year. I, no matter no matter if Phoenix wins the NBA title or not. So that's that's my wild card. That's my bold prediction for you. That would be that would be crazy. Like so, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt. Gobert and Chris Paul could be special. I but. It, it, but Brett, it doesn't even have to be special. You just have to like get him a few lobs early early in the game. Get him get him involved a little bit offensively. Like that's the thing. When whether you know the Clippers, obviously everyone brings up Utah versus Clippers, and that was a terrible matchup for them. But we we talked about it on the podcast. <laughs> It's offensively, they didn't take advantage of other teams going small. They never, ever do because they have no idea how to get him involved. Like, they just don't have those kind of players. And I think Chris Paul is – Chris Paul is what? One of, if not the smartest player in the NBA. I think he would – I just think it I think it could work in Phoenix. Now, I just – one of the only reasons I'm saying that is because I just think that if Phoenix wanted DeAndre Ayton, DeAndre Ayton would already be signed there, and he's not. And I don't think he's happy there, and I don't think – and I think ownership is perfectly fine with letting him go. I, I hope that's not the case, man. Like, Because Phoenix, like, they've got a clear path to becoming a, a dynasty. You know, they've got this exceptional young core in Cam Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. Even if Chris, you know, I mean, he's probably got a couple more – uh, really good years left in him, but like even thinking longer term, like if they could just keep that those other four together, they've got something really, really special. Um, and it would suck if just poor ownership got in the way. And uh, and I could see that happening. And obviously, we're seeing we're seeing it with the Aiton thing. I mean, I, I really hope they can they bring him back. It was inexplicable to me that they didn't extend him. Um, I agree. I agree. It's, it's it was very disappointing, and because I mean he's. I don't know, man. Are there five centers you'd rather have than DeAndre Ayton for the next five, ten years? Because I don't think there are. Like, I mean, after I, you could say he's probably the fourth or fifth best center in the league. Anyway, I think um, I'd rather have him than Gobert since we're talking about him. But uh, yeah, man, that would be that would be interesting, though. I, I definitely think that Gobert would make some sense there. But yeah, man, like bottom line, though, you're right. I think if 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 they do lose this, like something's got to give. They've got to reshape their team, and those are their two big pieces. And I think. I think it would probably be one of those guys. Like, who knows what their relationship is like? Um, you know, we just there's so much we probably don't know about what's going on behind the scenes. And um, but hey, man, to their credit, like they they won a tough game in Game Four, and that lob that Mitchell did throw to Gobert was the biggest play of the game, and um, it was it was beautiful. And it's like, why don't we see more of that? Um, That's what I'm saying, dude. Like, I I don't again, dude. I, I was very very high coming into Utah, coming into the season with Utah, just because I thought you know you look at. Milwaukee, you look at T- Milwaukee, Toronto, especially. Granted, you know, I don't understand that Toronto got quiet, but th- those were teams that were there. They didn't really break up their core. They just kept going. They just kept going. And I, I don't know, man. Like, I was super, super high on Donovan Mitchell coming into the season. And, dude, I, there's just something weird there. I don't know what it is. Like, even, even some of his comments after game three where he was like, you know, we got to play better defense. And it's like, dude, you're not really – it doesn't seem like you're really trying too hard on defense. There's just something very, 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 very weird there. And I'm not I'm not sure what it is. I'm with you. I definitely think this gets broken up. Who gets moved? Maybe it's one or the other. Maybe it's both of them. I really have no idea. We know uh, your boy Trader Danny is there. But Dwayne Wade, he's also a part owner. He's been at practice. He's at the games all the time. He's supposedly really close with Donovan Mitchell. 
I have no idea. I can't get a read on him. For whatever reason, though, that team is fascinating. You know, Quinn yeah. Parker, is he going to be the new Laker coach? Dude, it's all, it's all fucking weird, dude. It's, it's very, very weird. That, that could be another thing. Maybe they move on from Snyder. Um, but I do think keeping <laughs> Mitchell is the priority. Like, I don't think they have any desire to trade him. Like, just to be clear, I think if that were to happen, it would be because, be because he essentially demands a trade, which I, I wouldn't rule out. But yeah, I think the priority is to keep him. Um, I'm not sure that, that you want him as your two guard next to a guy like Conley. Like I just, he's not, he's, he's six feet, maybe six one. Um, obviously not a good defender, even though he does have the tools to be one. He just it's crazy, dude. It's, he it's just crazy. Has been. He was as a rookie. He was a good defender in college. He was like a great defender. He was like almost drafted to be that guy. And, uh, and he's kind of just – he's just never lived up to his potential there. And, I mean, yeah, he's got a huge offensive workload, you know. I mean, it, it would be pretty hard to do what he does on offense and then also just play lockdown defense all game. Like, I, I get that. But if that's going to be who he is, like, I, I think he needs to be your point guard. I think he needs to reinvent himself as a player, and I think they need to restructure their lineups a little bit. And, um, I mean, all, Conley's been Conley's been fine. Like, he's been good for them. I, I, I love him as a player, but – I just don't think you can play Donovan Mitchell next to a a traditional point guard uh, because of the defensive challenges that it presents. And he's he's really undersized for like an off guard. Like people don't realize how he plays bigger than he is, but he's only six one. So uh, I think that's probably what I would do is prioritize keeping Donovan Mitchell uh, and just see if you can turn him into a point guard. I mean, he's not a great passer. He's not a great uh, playmaker for others, but. Uh, I think he's got some potential in that regard, and he could just kind of be like a score first point guard. Maybe put some uh, bigger facilitators around him. Like, and that's that's where they miss Joe Ingles too. I'll say that having like a bigger wing kind of facilitator there that can um, that can sort of assume some point guard duties. But yeah, uh, I don't even like talking about the Jazz men. Um, they're just they're, hey, I ah, just don't like them, man. Hey, but let's let's talk. Let's go to the flip side, man, dude. My boy. Jalen Brunson is making himself some money, dude, every single game. And I saw your post, man. I think it, Dallas is a weird team, dude, because they – it's heliocentric, right? Everything revolves around Luka. And Jalen Brunson is like the perfect complement to him. But damn, man, dude, I think he's going to New York, dude, and he's going to get paid. And I could not be happier for him. But does how much does – let's just say hypothetical, Jalen Brunson leaving Dallas, how much does that hurt them next season? I think it hurts him a lot because I think he's he's kind of the rare point guard that can coexist and thrive with Luca. Um, I, I mean, I I really think this is the perfect role for him, and he's the perfect guy for this role. But uh, it, it, look, man, if Dallas isn't going to pay him, um, what some other teams are, I, I don't blame him for going after the money. But I just don't know that. Like, I, I don't know what. The money's going to be, but it sounds like probably in excess of 20 million a year. And I'm like, I don't, I love Jalen Brunson as a player, but I don't know that he can live up to that. Like, cause if you're paying him that kind of money, like you're just paying him to be your full-time starting point guard, run the show, which is not his role. Now, of course, in this playoff series, in the three games before Luca came back, he's shined in that role. No doubt about it. He's been one of the I mean, best players. Yeah, there the was games. almost a little bit of a Ewing theory in the first half of that game yesterday. Hey, I I, don't, I question whether they should have brought Luca back because like they were playing pretty well without him. They were coming off uh, two straight nice wins without him. Brunson was balling out. It's like maybe you push that back one more game, see if you win. 
thankfully he didn't re-injure it or anything, but that those calf injuries are nothing to mess around with. And um, I would have liked to have seen them wait until game five um, back in Dallas to, to bring him back. But I don't know, maybe they would have lost that game anyway. But when you just reinsert somebody that, you know, is, is such a big part of things like that with Luca, like you said, he's their entire offense. You just throw that back in. Like you're going to have a game where, you know, there's, there's some readjustment. And I think that's kind of what we saw, especially in the, in the first half before he kind of got cooking, but yeah, man, the Brunson thing, I hope they can bring him back. I hope they pay him. I think like 20 million is probably a fair price for him. Uh, anything more than that seems a little bit crazy, but again, just his fit with Luca, his comfort level in that role and his ability to step up and shine when Luca goes down. And, and that's something you got to think about because Luca's going to miss eight, 10, 15 games a season. Like he always does. I bet he's missed, you know, at least like 13 games a year on average since he's been in the NBA, if I had to guess. And, uh, and so to have a guy that can come up and get you some wins when he's out is, is big. And Brunson can obviously do that, but maybe he wants to run the show somewhere. Maybe he wants all that money. Um, I probably would. So, uh, we'll see what happens, but I hope they prioritize bringing him back. I think the fans are going to be really disappointed if they don't, because he's an awesome player. I just don't know that he's like a lead dog for a full season. I think he can do it in spots, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm underestimating him, but uh, I think you're underestimating my Villanova maybe, boy, dude. You're underestimating. Him. He's been great, though. Him. He's been great, man. He's been he's been one of the best players in the whole playoffs. All right, man. Let's go to the other two seven matchup in the West. Memphis and Minnesota, which I think has just been phenomenal from a basketball standpoint, although I'm going to go on a mini 45 to 60 second rant. NBA, dude, fuck you. I get it, man. You're jam- you are doing everything you can to jam Brooklyn, Boston down our throats. But starting that game last night, Minnesota has gotten screwed twice now. Starting that game last night at, what was it, 9.15, I think it started because there was a delay, or 9.30. Central time was ridiculous, dude. That hurts Minnesota. It hurts those fans. Same with Memphis, dude. We're all on central time zone. Minnesota had another game. I think it was the playing game against the Clippers that started at 8.30. That is bullshit. Trust me. Those fans don't like it. Those players don't like it. Started at 7. Come on, dude. That That is just – I understand TV money. I understand, you know, they're, they're trying to pump up uh, Tatum and, and Kevin Durant. But that is, that is fucking ridiculous. Regardless, I thought Minnesota played great last night. I thought they came back. It kind of looked like after game three that Memphis was just going to go on and probably win in five. But, man, dude, Brett, we got a series here, man. What are kind of your thoughts on on Memphis, Minnesota? I'll tell you what, man. I underestimated Minnesota's ability to bounce back from that that disastrous meltdown. Yeah, I was like, I think they're probably cooked. Um, But lo and behold, man, they they come back and they win win game four. I mean, game three was such a disaster, but, like – you know, they were up 26. So, like, it, it goes to show what they're capable of. Uh, of course, they melted down. and uh, But I think the fact that they came back and won game four after that disaster, uh, it says a lot about them and their, their mentality as a team. So I'm not going to underestimate them again. I, this is probably the one that's most likely to go seven, in my opinion. Um, I don't know, man. I, this this one feels like it's it's totally up for grabs. You know what I mean? Like, I don't – there's no there's no favorite in this series at this point. This this one could go either way. So, but this has been a good one. It's been one of the most fun series so far. Um, Jaw hasn't been great. I was kind of would have expected like a a little bit more dominance from him. Um, 
I think not having Steven Adams in the lineup is probably hurting him a little bit. Like I think their chemistry um, has been a big part of Jaws ascension to likely most improved player this season. Um, but you know, it's a trade off where you, you can't really have Steven Adams out there uh, against cat. So they're, they're doing the Jaron Jackson thing, but yeah, I think uh, this is going to be a good one, man. I don't know. It's any, this is anybody's series. I think as, as much as any other series in these entire playoffs. I agree, man. It, it's fun, man. And, same with, damn, dude, Anthony Edwards. I, I, I hate that he had to go to the locker room for a little bit yesterday. I mean, those those non-contact injuries always fucking mm-hmm. suck. But, man, dude, is he fun to watch, dude. He is so, 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 so fun to watch. And, yeah, dude, I, I'm with you, man. This series, for whatever reason, I did not think this was going to be that good of a series. I thought Minnesota was going to kind of come in, maybe win in five. I did not think it was going to be like this. I mean, Minnesota ha- is definitely – showing us something here. I think they have a great head coach in Chris Finch. Carl Anthony Towns seems to be getting there, although I think his role going forward is going to be as a number two. I don't think he is a number one on a team. I think that's Anthony Edwards. And Minnesota, man, is just a fun, fun team, dude. They're so, so fun to watch. And, I mean, the crowd is into it. I think they – I read something that they've won, like, more playoff games so far this <laughs> this playoffs than, like – I can't remember what the stat is. I don't want to. I don't want to lose it. Then, like they have in like the last however many long it's since been. since Garnett probably. Yeah, some, something along those lines. But man, dude, it's fun to see those fans get hype in Memphis, dude. You know, I said on a podcast with you and I a couple months ago that no matter what happens with Memphis, like this season should be a success. Like they're the youngest team in the NBA. They'd be the youngest team in the NBA Finals in NBA history. I don't know, though, man. I might back that up a little bit. I don't know if you could lose in the first round to a seventh seed to the Minnesota Timberwolves. But I ultimately think Memphis is going to come away and win this series. But you can just tell, man, it's it's a classic NBA case where this team exceeded expectations. And they're, they're, I don't think they're used to that, you know, being being kind of the the hunted a little bit. You know what I mean? Or being the being the hunter a little bit where that, you know, there's so much expectations on their shoulders and it's interesting watching them battle through it. It's, it's very, very interesting. And let's not forget John Moran's 22. He's got a, a career of playoffs ahead of him, but it's just, you could tell the pressure is getting to them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't look quite like himself. Um, he's not shooting the ball well at all. I think he's at 27% on threes. And I mean, he's not, he's not a very good shooter. Like that's the reality of it. That's his, kind of his Achilles heel as a player, like obviously doesn't stop him from being one of the greatest players in the league, but he's, he's not a very good shooter. And that's, that's going to be the next step he has to take. Um, we're still kind of waiting on that. He's had stretches where he's shot the ball pretty well, but uh, he's not a guy you can really count on and defenses can go under on screens against him. And yeah, man, I think above all else, it's kind of been the Anthony Edwards coming out party. Like if people hadn't been paying attention to him or didn't really know who he was as a player, like they do now, and I mean, he is kind of assuming the role of the number one guy, like you said, at age 20, you know, it's maybe 21 now. I'm not sure. Young as fuck, though. But he's played more minutes than Cat. He scored more points than Cat. Uh, he's been remarkably efficient from the field. He's played some excellent defense at times throughout this series, especially on Ja. Um, he showed a lot of growth in that department already, which is scary for the rest of the league when you consider how good he already is offensively. But yeah, this is a guy that could be like, you know, the best two guard in the league by, by the end of the next season, even that wouldn't even surprise me. So like you said, how the Grizzlies kind of have this pressure on them now as the two seed 
all of a sudden they're not like the scrappy underdog that everyone doubted. Like they're the team that's Minnesota's expected to win. Minnesota's a scrappy underdog. Yeah, they're the, exactly. Like they have nothing to lose. Like they were a play-in team. Like they're, you know, this is a very rare playoff appearance for them. And, uh, and, and they have nothing to lose. There was no expectations. I don't think anybody really expected them to win this series. Uh, so that's a dangerous team uh, because of that and because of their level of talent and sort of the – uh, the style of defense they play. So I don't know, man, again, 50, 50 on this one for me, I, I could flip a coin, uh, which is crazy to say. Cause I, I probably would have picked Grizzlies in six, maybe before the series. Uh, but now I think it's going seven in Minnesota. It's just, a, just as good. Same, of a man. And I, I hate to, um, you know, be that the reason that I wanted to talk about Utah, Dallas and Memphis, Minnesota is I hate to be this dude, man. And we're going to talk about Phoenix, New Orleans in a minute, but like those are the only series that have been competitive. You know what I mean? Like outside of game one of Boston, Brooklyn, Boston's been in control the entire game. They've had double digit leads. Brooklyn has kind of come back, but not really. Milwaukee, I mean, I was at game two. They like were like, they finally woke up. I, I think they they just destroyed Chicago in Chicago. I mean, we, we can talk about that if you want, but I mean, that was just, I have, Giannis is, I'll say it, dude. I know I was drunk the last time we, we, we had a podcast about this. Giannis is the best player in the NBA, dude. And, and yeah. I, I, we, we can throw out names. We can throw out whoever. But he's just been in complete control, especially the last two games. I texted you on Friday night. I, I know you weren't watching the game. But, dude, his passing, he had a sequence today. I posted it in the group, and I, and I put it on Twitter, where he had, like, this contested layup where he, like, double-pumped, laid it up in with three guys on him, Came back down, blocked Zach Levine's shot, took the ball all the way down the court, had three guys on him, and hung in the air for what seemed like five seconds into a no-look pass to Grayson Allen, who hit a three. That was incredible. I, I saw, saw that, yeah. I don't think there's one player. I mean, maybe, maybe like prime LeBron could do that. I don't think there's another player in the NBA that could do that. I I, I really, truly don't. Like, he is he is running the offense since, since Chris has been out, and they've inserted just this ginormous lineup of, of Bobby Lopez and Giannis. And he's just like, okay, man, let's go. Like he, he is just, there's a, there's an ease and calmness about his game that it, it, it started last playoffs. As soon as they beat Brooklyn, we kind of saw it. We saw it in the NBA finals and we've seen it all season, but I want to talk to you about Brett. Let, let's go to Phoenix and new Orleans because I think losing Devin Booker, I think that's going to hurt them. And I think this is one of those times where having the one seed is a huge benefit. I know my friends and I have argued, I think getting the number one seed is overrated. I don't think it matters, especially in today's NBA where where players are are sitting. I, I even looked at some, some of the stats. I don't think, I, I think the last one seed to come out of the East was in 2015. I think somewhere around there, it's been seven years. I think it's been a long, long time since a one seed has come out. But in Phoenix's case, I think this lines up nicely for them because they get to play the winner of Dallas, Utah. I fully expect them to win tonight. I know, I know you're a huge Pelicans fan, so I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. But how do you think this injury of Devin Booker affects Phoenix going forward? Or if if, if, if New Orleans has a chance, if, if you think they got a chance, speak on it. I think New Orleans could very well win the game tonight, Sunday, game four. I kind of thought they were going to win game three, and they certainly had a chance to. Um, but I think I think I think they got a good chance to get this one. I'd say they probably do, and they tie it up two two. I mean, Phoenix is a much different team without Devin Booker. Like they just don't have another guy that can do what Devin Booker does. He's the last guy I want to lose if I'm that team. If I lose 
Like we've seen them without Aiton and McGee steps up and they're still fucking awesome. We saw them without Chris Paul and Devin Booker kind of assumes more of a playmaking uh, lead guard role and they're still fucking awesome. You take Devin Booker out, they're still a really good team, but they're not close to the same. They're not close to as scary. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Pelicans win tonight and then maybe Phoenix wins the next two or something. Like I'm still picking the Suns to win this series. Uh, but I think it's probably going to be like six or seven rather than if they had had book this whole time, you know, it, it might've been four or five, but what's the timetable on him? Have they even established one yet? Are they well, saying he, it's funny. So I was, I was surfing around on Twitter. So let, let's just compare it to Chris Middleton. Cause I think they both kind of have similar. Well, no, Devin Booker's got a hamstring. Middleton's is MCL. Middleton might be back in two weeks, three weeks. I would not be surprised if we do not. I, I think Middleton is going to miss. I think he's going to miss the entire series against Boston. And, you know, and I'm knocking on wood, even though I don't think it matters if, if Boston and, and it's Milwaukee that play. I think he's going to miss that series, which is going to help Boston out a, a, a great deal. I wouldn't be surprised if Devin Booker not only misses the next series, but if he misses a little bit of the Western Conference Finals, if Phoenix was supposed to advance that fall. See, I don't know how they fare without him, even against Dallas. Um I like how they match up with Utah, but uh, I think Dallas is going to be tough, man. Like, I think Dallas beats Utah in six. I think they win the next two. Luka's back. Yeah, and so I think it's going to be Phoenix-Dallas in the next round, and um, that's going to be tough, man. That's going to be a tough series. I I don't know that they get past Dallas if Book doesn't play at all. Um, And then, obviously, it would get uh, probably even tougher in the conference finals, uh, assuming that's Golden State that they'd be playing. Uh, so, you know, they they need him back. And I just haven't heard like a firm timetable, but it sounds like it's at least, you know, going to be a couple weeks anyway, if not longer. I mean, hamstrings are tricky, kind of unpredictable, easy to re-injure. And he's, he's dealt with those in the past. He's had a couple of hamstring injuries, I think even this season. So I don't know, man. That's a totally different team. I think they're Probably the title favorites if they have Devin Booker. If they don't have him, they're probably not even in my top four title favorites. So he's got to get back as soon as possible, hopefully in the next round. Um, but yeah, they might they might be in for some problems here. I'm going to be really interested to see what happens in tonight's game against the Pelicans because if they lose this one, then it's like, okay, this, this is not the same team by any means. It is, it is but I think if... I think we're on a collision course for Phoenix, Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. I think for both of these teams, it sets up pretty nicely. Golden State got the mother of all matchups against Denver. Uh, I think if if you were in the West or the East, you wanted, right? I mean, even though I said I I was kind of hoping Milwaukee was going to play Brooklyn. I mean, they still have Kevin Durant and Kyrie. But, I mean, I thought the two weakest teams were Denver and Chicago just because for – Chicago doesn't have anybody on that team besides DeRozan that has been in the playoffs and you know Lonzo's hurt or Caruso too I should say but they they just they just don't have that experience and they're just not a good team and I think with Golden State Denver Jokic doesn't have any he doesn't have anybody that he's playing with and they're just Golden State is head and shoulders above that team and then they get to play either Memphis or Minnesota which has like no playoff success between the two. I just think that it's setting up nicely for Golden State, man. It, it it really, really is. I know that they lost a tough one today, but your boy, Milwaukee Rufus King's own, Jordan Poole, 
that team is dialed in, man, and they are playing some really, really scary ball, man. And Clay is he's Clay's back. Like he's he's yeah. in the form. It took him a little bit. He's back. Draymond looks better than ever. Golden State's a scary motherfucking team. Yeah. They they got they're definitely my favorites to come out of the West at this point. Um just because of the Booker injury mainly, but also because they look so damn good. But I wonder how much of that is Denver making them look good. Uh, obviously, Denver played them really well in in game four and then um, or game three. And then also, again, today when they won, uh, they had a really good uh, Jokic was brilliant. And uh, the supporting cast was really good too. Aaron Gordon, Monty Morris, uh, Bones Highland all played great. DeMarcus Cousins gave them some some huge minutes early in the fourth quarter when Jokic was on the bench, which is kind of where they lost it in in game three. So, you know, they've they've given Golden State a pretty good shot the last couple games. And uh, but I still think you know Golden State's probably going to just run them out of the gym in, in uh in the Bay Area in, in Game Five, and I think that's probably going to be it for this series. So, yeah, man, I, I don't really see anybody beating Golden State um, except for Phoenix, and that's only if they have uh, Booker, obviously. So it's cool to see the Warriors like they're they're back to being the juggernaut that we saw the first twenty games of the season. Like, it's cool because they they looked like like maybe like an all time great team at the beginning of the season. It was like incredible how good they were and then obviously injuries and and all that and uh but now they're kind of back and maybe even better than before because they've got clay now so yeah man they're it's exciting it's exciting i'm I'm really enjoying watching them it is well there's uh there's three uh three other games that we really haven't talked about or three other series that we haven't really talked about so i mean miami and atlanta i can't get a read too much on Miami. They're the one seed. They've been the one seed all season long. They're a great team. Atlanta's just not good, man. And I know you and I have kind of gone back and forth on this. Trey Young, I think, is whether you want to have him as a top 15 player, top 12. Like I, Trey Young is phenomenal. But I think that, to me, outside of maybe Brooklyn and maybe L.A., there has not been a more disappointing team in the NBA than the Atlanta Hawks from where they were last year to – essentially the same team and just, just watching them. They just have this attitude of like, we've been there before and they just, they were just kind of coasting, you know, they were kind of doing the Milwaukee thing of just coasting and thought that they could kind of turn it on and they can't man. Miami matches up perfectly with Atlanta. I, that's just, I'm sorry. Like we record, we purposely recorded this podcast during that game because it's, I just think it's so boring. I think it's the most boring series (laughs) of, of the playoffs so far. Miami will be fine. I, I'm super excited to watch Miami Philly, even though the, the news came out that Joel Embiid is going to have to have surgery on his thumb. We'll see how that impacts him. But that series is looking very, very competitive. Brett, what say you? Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I mean, I just think with the Heat Hawks, it's just the Heat are just a much better team. Like, yeah, they, it, it's, it's as simple as that. Um, my question with the Heat is like, is kind of like their the firepower. Like when you when they go up against a team like. Uh, like even Philly, it's like, do, do they have the firepower? Like I, I question that. Like, do they have? Like I know Jimmy Butler's been getting off against the Hawks. He's had a couple of huge games. But it's the but Hawks. Also, it's the Hawks. That's the Hawks. Hawks exactly. And and you know, in the game that the Hawks won, like we saw the Heat on back to back possessions at the end of the game go to Jimmy Butler, basically just you know let him cook, and he didn't really come up with much. Um, and I'm just wondering, like, if that's kind of going to be like your go to play like in the clutch when you need a bucket you're just giving it to jimmy butler and letting him try to break down a defender like i don't know that he's that guy uh great player but he's not like 
Jason Tatum even. Like he's not a guy that can just cook one-on-one like that. Um, so they might be asking a little bit too much of him because other than that, like, I mean, Hero can obviously get some good shots off. Um, Oladipo hasn't looked great. And then other than that, man, you kind of just have a bunch of role players and, and shooters and stuff. And so that that's what I question is like, I feel like in the playoffs, like if you want to really make a run to the finals, like now they, they've done it before, but you really need a guy that can just create. And, uh, and Jimmy can do it to an extent, but I don't know that they have enough um, offensively to, to get all the way through. Uh, they're obviously a very good defensive team and they can get hot. So hot shooting goes a long way, but I don't know that it can win you a series. So that I'd probably, I'd probably pick Philly in that, well, would, in that next would, round. Especially if Kyle Lowry is hurt. And if I'm, if I'm Philly, man, and I, I think not just Philly, I think if you're any NBA team, this is going to sound a little bit weird. And I don't mean to sound like a little homerish here. I think if you take out Tyler Hero, man, you're, you're going to win. Like it, it, it's crazy to me, and my buddies and I have this conversation all the time. Like Tyler Hero might be their best offensive player. Like I know Jimmy's been great against Atlanta, but like I like I said, it's Atlanta, and Kyle Lowry's out. Like I think if you can take Tyler Hero, like Tyler Hero has averaged over twenty points a game as a six man this year. Like he he, he is, Miami has needed every bit of Tyler Hero's offensive games this year, and I think if you just number one, if you target him on defense. And if you just take him out of the game offensively, I think you're good, Brad. I really, really do. And I fully expect to see a lot of Tybo on Tyler mm-hmm. Hero. I, I, I'm with you, man. I think we'll do our predictions a little bit uh, maybe on the next podcast. But, dude, I wouldn't be surprised if Philly beats Miami at five or six, dude. Yeah, I, I could see it too, man. Um, as great as Bam is, like Embiid is just, you know, I mean, it doesn't really matter who's maybe – yeah, no, you can't, I don't think anybody can really stop Embiid. I mean, he's actually the Raptors have actually done an all right job on him. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know that. Did you see that three that he had, dude? Yeah, like, come on, like that is just he's re- stupid. No, he's ridiculous, man. He's ridiculous. Hopefully, his thumb is okay enough to play. I mean, if he can play through it, uh, I think he's gonna be great when he's out there. But I agree, man. Hero, because like they need him on the court for what he can do offensively, Miami. But then you do have a guy that you can pick on on the other end um so yeah he's he's kind of a guy you target in that sense you try to you try to take away what he can do offensively and when you take that away Miami really doesn't have much firepower at all and then you target him defensively so I think a smart a smart coach team can can probably uh exploit that but that, that would be a good series I, I probably would pick Philly though but uh I don't know maybe maybe there's some Jimmy Butler revenge uh that that could that could take place there uh he was there for that one year I hate to say it, man, because I'm not trying – like, we all know, dude, like, I have a little bit of a of a battle with Miami Sheet fans, but, you know, they're, they just kind of want to be Wisconsin South. That's okay, but anyway, <laughs> I'm not trying to hate too much. Like, they stole P.J. Tucker, whatever. I'm, I have his jersey, a Milwaukee P.J. Tucker jersey. I love him. But I don't – like, Miami just doesn't excite me, dude, and I don't know what it is. They're, they're just, I know that they're super solid. They've been great all season long. Like, I'm not trying – to diminish any of that. But I think if we're talking about the big boys of the East, you know, Philly, Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, dude, I'd have Miami ranked four. And and maybe I get proven wrong with that. Maybe Miami beats Philly. Maybe they beat the winner of Boston. I don't know. Like I, we, You know, we don't know. But if, if I'm putting money on it, dude, I, I think Philly beats them. And I, I really don't think it's particularly close. 
No, I agree. I think there's just there's a set of ingredients that you need as a basketball team to excel in the playoffs and make the finals. And I think maybe at the top of that list is is having an elite shot creator. And I just don't think Miami has that. And uh, I think that's going to come back to bite them. You know, there's going to be situations where they need that guy. And I don't think Jimmy Butler can consistently be that guy as good as he's looked against Atlanta. Let's see him against a different a different defense and a different team. But yeah, man, Atlanta lost by 34 today. Uh, or no, 24. My bad. My math is off. But still, uh, they got fucking smoked. And Capella came back. And I remember I was thinking, like, man, if they had had Capella, maybe it's a different series. But uh, that obviously didn't matter today. I only watched a few minutes of that game. So I can't speak that, too much that's that another one. That's another team that that just reeks of a huge trade coming. Yeah, like I they, agree. They, they, they have to do something. Uh, we, we can talk about last season. You know, Ben Simmons meltdown. They were mentally tougher. Trey Young was mentally tougher than – Embiid or Ben Simmons last season for for what that matters but they just they they have to do something they have to shake something up I mean I don't want to speculate because I don't want to see him go there but man dude Jalen Brunson would look good in Atlanta mm. that would be interesting yeah I agree though man they're they're at the top of the list of teams that you know that probably need to look to make a trade after this season and uh they definitely have some interesting pieces like they've got a lot of assets um they've got some good young players and uh yeah maybe it's time to restructure things a little bit it's just it's a bummer because like it it felt like they were really building something special after last season and and yeah obviously they you know plateaued to to put it generously and uh i just think you got to be smart when you're building around trey and uh i think deandre hunter he had it looks like he had a pretty good game today but again they got smoked he i don't think he's been quite the defensive player that that they were hoping I think they were counting on him and he 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 had kind of a disappointing year overall. And uh I like a Kongwu. I hope he's a bigger part of things going forward. Like next year, I could see him like in some most improved player conversations, assuming like one of the other big guys gets moved. But um, yeah, just another kind of disappointing, depressing team. But you know what? I mean, they did they did make the play and they did win their play and they did get in the playoffs. So I mean, it's not like a total disaster of a season. Uh they just ran into a much better team. Yeah, I agree with you. Oh, all right. I don't want to do it, but we got to do it. Let's talk about the last playoff series, Milwaukee versus Chicago. Um, I was disgusted in game one with Milwaukee. I thought that they just toyed around. They didn't take it seriously. I was in the building for game two. thought the same thing. They just didn't take it seriously. Uh, Granted, DeMar DeRozan is him. Chris Middleton and Devin Booker may be just driving the – king of tough shot express i mean he was phenomenal even with Giannis guarding him but he had he just hit some tough shots you knew it wasn't sustainable i knew if milwaukee would just like get a foot kicked up their ass you knew that they were just going to turn it on and they did games three and four weren't even close they just they have the best player in the world on their team nobody else on chicago can compete with them drew holiday since middleton has been out has been Amazing. Bobby Portis has been amazing. Bulls fans, plug your ears. Grayson Allen has shot the shit out of the ball. I mean, he has just been phenomenal. And they look good, man. I really, you know, if Chris Middleton was healthy, I think that they I think that they beat Boston without Chris Middleton. I think it's going to be super tough. Although I am very, very intrigued by this big lineup that Milwaukee has has trotted out there. But yeah, man, the, the Bulls, dude. It, as good of a season as it was, as good of a feel-good season as it was with DeMar DeRozan, he got a little bit of MVP buzz for a couple weeks. 
They got an interesting decision to make with Zach Levine. He hasn't looked very good this series. I know Lonzo's out. I don't know, man. Like, congrats to Chicago. You made the playoffs. You got a couple home games, and you're not very good compared to Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, this is another one where it's just Milwaukee's just a much better team. Um, the big lineup has been interesting. So they started they started Giannis, Portis, and Brooke Lopez together, huh? Um, the last two games. And yeah, the last two. Absolutely. Yeah. Chicago can't get an offensive rebound or defensive rebound. No. No, no, those have been good minutes too. And then, yeah, man, Drew has been so good. Like, I, I mean, I already love Drew's game, but this series, from what I've seen of it, like he's just been, uh, he's just been phenomenal on both ends. Like, a uh, lot of talk about who the best defensive guard in the league is. A lot of people were saying Caruso, obviously Marcus Smart, the DPOY, but like Drew's as good as anybody. He's up there in as far as all time, I think, defensive point guards. Dude, when, I don't know. Andre Iguodala is playing with Draymond Green and you have Kevin Durant, and they both say yeah. that Drew Holiday is the best player that they the best defensive player that they played against. That's that's some fucking high praise, man. That that I think that's how you're praised in a deep and this, this is not Boston fans. This is not a knock on Marcus Smart at all. Please don't take it that way at all. Marcus Smart is phenomenal. I love that dude. But if Andre Iguodala is saying that and Kevin Durant saying that, Brett, like, dude, mm. I'm Drew Holiday, dude. You, you can anybody can have all defensive teams, uh, defensive player of the year awards. When, when NBA players are actually saying that, that means more than I think any award could. Hundred percent, yeah, man. I'm like, if, if Draymond Green and and KD are talking about basketball, like those are the two guys I'm going to listen to more than anybody. I mean, like, come on, that is the highest praise possible. And I don't know how many all defensive teams Drew has made. I, I feel like it might only be like three or four, but that doesn't do his defense justice. Um, he he's an all time great on that end for for his position. And then Giannis, man, I agree, best player in the league. Um, and you were right about the passing. I mean, he's th- th- this whole season. Like, I think that's been the biggest development with him. Like Giannis is the type of guy that adds something every year or improves in something every year. He's always been a good passer, but he's taken that to another level where he's like an excellent passer now. And he's averaging seven assists per game over the series. I think he had seven today. Some of the reads he's making now and just his willingness to, it's almost like a a kind of a looseness he's throwing these passes with now, where he's just got this, this kind of freedom. And maybe that comes from winning a title where he's just kind of, Brett, I'm telling you, it, it, it's all three. I shouldn't even say all three. All those guys, from Bobby Portis to Giannis to Chris Middleton to Drew Holiday, it, it, it's all confidence with them, man. It's like, all right, like they 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 got this. Now, the, the key to them, which I, you've heard me say, you and I have talked on the podcast, off the podcast, privately. I did not like Milwaukee's approach this year of just kind of sleepwalking through the through the NBA season and just kind of thinking they could turn it on in the playoffs. I, I do think they can, but I, I would much rather have seen kind of, you know, that I don't want, they're clearly not as good as that Golden State team that, but just like that killer mentality. We, we saw that time. We saw it for the big games. We did not see it for, you know, the, I don't want to disrespect the Charlotte Hornets right now, but we didn't see it for a Milwaukee Hornets game, but you know, next round is going to be fun, dude. It, it, it's going to be fun. I wish Chris Middleton was playing. I mean, obviously I think you have to give the edge to Boston right now, not only for the way that they're playing, but I mean, Chris Middleton isn't out there. I do think Milwaukee, you know, that that big lineup is very intriguing. And if their shooters can hit, man, it, it's it's going to definitely be a fun series. But I want to get your th- – we'll talk about Milwaukee-Boston. Is is that is, – do you think it's the conference finals? Like this next series? Do you think oh, Boston-Milwaukee? I, I think whoever wins this series yeah. is, is not only going to the NBA finals, I think they're winning the NBA finals. Mm, wow. And yeah. I, I just – 
I, it feels like the conference finals to me. Like it, I definitely, it's. I think it's going to be one of those these two teams. I'm probably going to pick Boston in that series, especially because of the Middleton, the Middleton news. Although, man, Grayson Allen, though, if he's shooting the ball like this, man, he, how good has that guy been uh, these last couple games? Like, my God, like y'all got him for Sam Merrill and, and two, two second se- round picks, two man. second round picks. Like, how is that even possible? Like, he he's such a nice player. Well, I mean, it, it's good. Like he knows how to play with Giannis. I, I, I didn't like. I mean, I, I've been busting his balls here a little bit, and you know, I, he's, he's shut me up a little bit. But like, he's getting paid ten million dollars a year, and he's coming off the bench because Boonholzer wanted. Like Wes Matthews has just been better. But like, he, if he's going to come off the bench and play like that, man, I mean, dude, it's. There's mm. nothing you can do about that. And he's – see, that's the thing. Like, I don't want to talk about this too much because I, I, I want to do a – you and I are going to do a preview part of this series. I just think, man, he's he, – Milwaukee shooters are going to get a lot of open lo- looks because of the attention that Giannis draws. Mm-hmm. And if they can knock down shots, man, they are going to be a very, very difficult team to beat. Maybe Chris can come back later on in the series, although I'm sure that they would bring him off the bench. I don't think that you could you can kind of start him a little bit. But, dude, he's – Grayson's been phenomenal, man. And He's red hot. It's that's that's scary. When you when you get a guy that's just on a heater like this at the right time, if he keeps this going, like I mean, he, he's as hot as anybody. I think he was ten of twelve today, six of seven on threes. And they were and, I mean, and Brett, they were all wide open three point looks. Yeah, every single yeah. one. And it's going to be like is it as good of, of a defensive team as Boston is, and they've been phenomenal. I'm not taking anything away from Boston, but when you have the best player on the court like that, drawing that much attention in, in Giannis. Those guys are going to get looks, man. And Drew Holiday looks all season long, man. If if you don't get a chance to watch a lot of Bucks basketball, Drew Holiday does this thing where he could be right around the three point line. He'll dribble right, and then he'll step back and hits a three, dude, and it goes in. It feels like it goes in every single time. His his offensive game this season has been absolutely phenomenal. And mm-hmm. I mean, you can't say enough good thing about Bobby Portis. He is. I don't give a fuck when anybody says he's the best from a contract perspective. He's the best bargain in the NBA. That dude is just playing with confidence. Lopez looks phenomenal. Like they, they have been locked in the last two games and they, they look good, man. It's going to be a super fun series. And I, I do think, you know, if I'll say it, man, I don't want to, like, again, I want to save some of this for our preview pod. If, if Boston beats Milwaukee, Boston is going to have the best player, on the court in the Eastern Conference Finals, it's going to be Jason Tatum. I I just think that that dude has taken a step. He's so good. He's so good defensively. Like he's legit, man. Like we we can't uh, make fun of his age anymore. Like he he's legit. He's come full circle. He's really good, man. And it's it's going to be a fun series. But before we wrap up, Brett, I wanted to ask you about uh, about Chicago and kind of where Chicago goes from here. I I, I mm. I'll be honest with you, man. I don't think if Lonzo if Lonzo was playing, I don't think this series is that much different. I just think Milwaukee is that better. But I mean, if you're Chicago, I, I would do it. Do you sign Zach Levine or does Zach Levine want to be there? I think that it's a it's a very interesting dynamic between DeRozan and Levine. They they, they were really really good against teams below 500. But I mean, we've seen it I, I, against these big boys. They they just can't beat them, man. If you're Chicago, what do you do? I mean, I think you kind of have to just bring everyone back, uh, including Levine, like, and you get Lonzo back healthy, you add him to this mix, and then I think you got to sign a big guy that could protect the rim. Um, I just think Vucevic has been 
kind of a weak link for them. And he's um, but, he, but Brett, he this is what this is what I'm asking you. And he even when with Orlando, I don't know if it's just a Milwaukee thing, but like he is their first or second best offensive player in this series. Like if he wasn't there, they may be getting beat by 40 or 50 every game. Yeah, I mean, it's not the offense that that worries me, although I don't know that he's like the best guy to put uh, next to those other two just in terms of fit. But yeah, he's he's a great offensive player. He always has been. He, he's a monster. Um, he's going to get buckets. Uh, and he's been pretty good this series. But it, it's defense uh, where where he's pretty exploitable. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's hard to say like, you know, it's, we, we can't expect him to like slow down Giannis or anything like that. But uh, I just think if I'm looking at this team next year, it's, it's you bring this team back, you get, you get Lonzo fully healthy, uh, Io's a, a year older and, and a little better. And I just think the, the the last ingredient they're they're missing is like a like a JaVale McGee. You know what I mean? Like get get yourself a JaVale McGee and uh and run it back because they had a great regular season. Um, they've got something here. I think they could come back and be at least as good as they were. This season, and hey, if they're fully healthy in the playoffs, after getting some experience, maybe maybe they can win a series. Um, but I think they had too much success this year relative to expectations to where they already look to really shake it up too much. I, I say bring everybody back. And Pat Williams, you know, he they they miss him all season. He had twenty and ten today in the loss. Um, that kid, another year older, could be could be a hell of a player for them next season and really give their defense a boost from the forward spot. So I, I say run it back, run it back and, and add, and add some role players. Uh, I, I agree. I agree. Maybe trade, maybe trade Kobe white, maybe trade Kobe white. Like, you, you know, use him um, to, to acquire somebody that, that could help you maybe from, from the backup center spot or um, maybe another forward. But yeah, I, I, was, I, I was really hoping though, Brett, that we would get, I want to see Zach Levine thrive in the playoffs. Dude, I know his knees bothering him, but like, it's just like, you know, dude, it, I, I I like Zach Levine. I I root for the dude, but it, it, I don't know, man. I I I I would sign him. I'm not saying that you trade him, but it, I mean, dude, when Demar Derozan is is your best player, man, I I just don't know how far you can go. I I I really don't. And that's not a that's not a knock on Demar. We but we've seen it, right, dude? We saw it with Toronto. They couldn't beat LeBron in Cleveland. I I don't know, man. Like I I. I I don't know what you, if you're Chicago. I I just don't know what you do. I, 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 I like him. I, I actually think I actually think you could go pretty far with him as your best player in the playoffs. Um, just kind of because of what I was saying. Like he he can get buckets and make tough shots. Um, he can get to his spots at will. Like he's the type of guy that you can just give the ball to when you need a bucket, whether it's like a game winner or just a big play, where it's like get us something, and he, and he can go get it. And there aren't that many guys in the league that can do it at the level that he does. Now he's going to be a year older. Um, I don't see any reason to believe he's going to like fall off or anything. He might not be quite as good as he was this year. Um, but, and, and man, Levine, yeah, he's not a hundred percent. So I think you're going to get a better version of him next year than, than you're seeing right now. Um, but yeah, uh, run it back, man, run it back. You had a great season. Um, uh, you re- you weren't going to beat the Bucks even at full strength. There's no way. Um, you weren't going to do that. The defending champs, no way. So it's like, I can't really hold this series against them. Uh, I think they had a great season, all things considered. Yeah, I like it. Well, dude, man, we hit every series, dude. That was super fun. I love it. I cannot wait to, uh, dude, preview some of these second-round games, man, because I, I, I do think that that Milwaukee-Boston is going to be lit. Feel, I, I'm so excited for the East. I, I The West just, it kind of bores me, uh, but but we'll see, man. But I think the Eastern Conference Finals are going to be, at, or the Eastern 
semifinals are going to be absolutely insane, dude. And I can't wait. Brett, dude, go have a brew, dude. I'm going to make myself a drink right before bed here. And, uh, dude, it's a pleasure as always, brother. All right, my man. I will, uh, I will talk to you soon, man. We'll definitely get together before the second round and, and record something. All right. Bucks and six, baby. Peace.